You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Amber Smith, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. I have been blogging, Facebooking, and tweeting since the early 2000s. I've written over a 1,000 blog posts and made over 450 podcast episodes. And yet, I've never gone viral. Call it bad luck, poor media skills, or just not having an interest in newer, younger platforms like TikTok. Who knows? Well, there have always been influencers out there, famous people. The rise of the influencer moneymaker has exploded over the last decade. The fame, as well as the possibility of getting paid, has led to an ever-increasing number of content creators hoping to become the next viral sensation. Which, of course, then leads us to a rather obvious question. Is this a viable profession? A viable way to make a living? A viable path towards financial independence? Let's ask today's guest. Amber Smith is a digital creator when it comes to thrifting, lifestyle, and travel. Her viral TikToks have led to millions of views and appearances in the press and on television. Amber Smith, welcome to Earn and Invest. Tell me about the first time you ventured into platforms like Instagram and TikTok. Was your intention on building a brand at that time? I would say I don't think I ever intended to build a brand. It was more so connecting with people similar to myself in the thrifting space. I started an Instagram page to share what thrifted things I had found, if they were a really good deal, and I would resell them and share how much money I made. And it kind of really took off from there when I started sharing more than just the thrifting content, when I started sharing more about my life in general. So let's talk about the thrifting. That was not your main gig, right? You started thrifting in around 2019. Why did you start? Correct. So I started, it was really just a friend. She said, you know, I started doing this and she's like, I think you might find it interesting. And at the time I was working full time and I had been so involved throughout college and high school with all these activities. My days were packed. But now when I was only working 40 hours a week, I had so much free time to do something else. I was looking for something to fill my time. And I started going to grad school and I was, you know, looking for a way to pay for that while I could also invest and save for retirement. 
So while you've been doing all this, you've had a kind of a traditional nine to five, right? You started thrifting while you were in graduate school. What do you do as your quote unquote normal job? Yes. So I work full time in tech as a product owner and tech has been very volatile over the past few years. I have been laid off twice as part of just mass layoffs. The company needs to improve their bottom line. And so the thrifting and reselling on the side really helped me get through those months of unemployment while looking for my next job. Was it ever consideration that that would become your main job? Like, were you like, boy, I love to get out of the nine to five or the nine to five, it's, you know, too iffy because I don't know what's going to happen in the current job market. Wouldn't it be nice just to thrift or in this case, as we're going to talk about later, be more of an influencer and make money doing that? I have asked myself that question so many times and I've looked at the thrifting and reselling. And right now it's really fun for me because it's not the thing that I have to do to pay all of my bills and invest for retirement and, you know, go on the fun trips that I want to go on. Right now it's extra money that's helping me max out all my retirement accounts and then some and paying for these fun trips and these fun experiences. And so for me, I, I definitely took a long, hard look at that question while I was unemployed. I said, do I want to do this forever? And it just has so many ups and downs from the past few years that I've done it. And so I didn't think that putting all of my eggs in one basket at the time was going to be a smart move. When I had recently finished my MBA, I have these certifications in tech. I thought I want to squeeze a few more years out of those before jumping ship. Do you think if your thrifting business had picked up significantly, let's say you were starting to make as much as your nine to five, do you think it would have changed that opinion? Do you think you would have been more likely to skew that direction? I think definitely, definitely. Um, so just for the sake of being transparent, let me share some numbers here. A couple of years ago, I did like $40,000 in sales. And you know that was just my part-time working on this. Last year was a bit slower, about 36000 and this year looks to be about the same there. So while having a full-time amount of hours to work on it would be great, and I could definitely increase that to 60, 70, 80, who knows, I feel like it would really put some pressure on it, and I don't think that's what I'm looking for from that. I'm looking for something that's fun, that makes me some money. Yeah, it is a good point. And I, I guess we should really put an emphasis on this. You could take something you really love and enjoy. And when you make it a full-time job, uh, it can kind of kill that joy. Right, right. Your goal was never to become a quote-unquote influencer and never necessarily to go viral. You got on social media to talk about things like thrifting That's not what you went viral for. Tell me about the first time you went viral and how it happened. So I went viral for my dating content. Um, the people who have followed me have watched me be single for a couple of years, go through a breakup, get on dating apps, get off of dating apps, re-download dating apps, rinse and repeat. So I was I matched with a guy on Hinge and he said, you know, this might be weird, but what if for our first date we go to Target? He's like, we can walk around, get some, get some errands done, get to know each other. And I thought to myself, I was like, well, this will either, it'll end up working, it'll be great, or it'll be a really funny story later. So I go to Target, I'm in the parking lot, and before walking in, I make a quick little seven-second video on my phone. 
I say, I'm here for a first date, and this is where the guy wanted to meet. And I pan to the target sign. I post it before I go in, whatever. We have the date, and it was fine. You know, I don't know that I would recommend a date at Target as a way to get to know someone, but maybe. And I get home and I check my phone. It has like 2,000 views, which is nothing crazy. I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, let me post a little update and tell people how it went. I'm like, you know, the date was good. We could walk down the aisles, go to the pet stuff and be like, oh, do you have any pets? Walk down the game aisle. Oh, have you ever played this game? And the next morning, the video had hit like 100,000 views. I was like, oh, this is picking up some steam. And I had to text the guy. And I said, do you have a TikTok? And he's like, <laughs> no, why? And I was like, well, I made a TikTok about our date and it's it's getting a good amount of views. And he goes, okay, well, like, let me watch it. And he thought it was funny. And the video just kept going. And I would text my hinge date and I would say, hey, I, I got an interview from the New York Post or, hey, Inside Edition wants to interview both of us. Or, hey, I'm doing an interview with ABC News. And it just kept going. And the video peaked at like 900,000 views, which isn't, it's not a huge amount considering the amount of media attention that it got. And it was funny because I told some of my coworkers at my regular nine to five, and they would say, oh my gosh, I heard about this on the radio or, and it was something that had spread so easily. And this wasn't something you did on purpose per se, right? This was not, you're like, oh, this is going to go viral. This is a great idea. I had no idea. And uh, some of the comments, you know, when it did get this media attention, people were commenting, oh, it must have been a slow news week. And maybe it was, maybe that's part of going viral. It's got to be a good, uh, slow news week. But I think part of it is that this made me watch the news a lot more often, which I, I don't do a ton of normally. And the news is very depressing in general. So I think they want some of these like fun stories with, oh, let's have this smiley girl on TV about this funny date just to break things up from all of the depressing news of the world. You know, it's interesting because we talk about quick wins and we see this a lot in investing, right? This is an investing mm-hmm. podcast or, you know, we talk about personal finance here. And so there are people who stock pick and they put their money in a stock and all of a sudden they get a huge outsized win and it changes them, right? It changes the way they mm-hmm. then maneuver in the future when they're thinking about investing. Talk about how going viral changed you. Did it make you think in different ways when you went to post again or did it make you start to think, hmm, I wonder if I could make something of this. So I do think that that caused me to take TikTok a little bit more seriously. I started posting more often. And I think what really flipped the switch for me was at the end of the year, there were a bunch of influencers who were posting monthly, here's what I made this year crazy numbers. They were doing this in addition to their full-time job. And I thought, okay, if I take this a little bit more seriously, I have a decent following right now. What can I do with this? So that in a year from now, I am standing where they are, or maybe a couple of years from now, it takes me to get there. So I think that's really what happened. And now that I had gone viral once, I had seen like, okay, you can do this. You can make it happen again. And sometimes it is about pushing out a large quantity of content to see what will go viral. 
So let's compare the first time versus the next time, right? So you didn't only go viral once, you went viral, what was it, twice mainly, yes. right? Yes. So this second piece of content that you put out, was there then an inkling, oh, I should do this and this will go viral? Um, You know, so the second time I went viral was also for my dating content. Similar to Spotify wrapped, I created a dating wrapped and went into the data of my dating life from 2022. And when I was creating the video, I thought, oh, this is funny. I, you know, have all of the numbers to put this together. I went on a lot of dates. I was trying to not be single. And I don't think I expected it to go as viral as it did, that video went to over 4 million views. And so again, a lot of national media attention that was played on the Drew Barrymore show. I was flown out to California to be on the Jennifer Hudson show. And, you know, it was shared a couple other places. And I think that was the point where I was like, this actually happens a lot more often than I think we realize that people go viral and they end up on TV. Because then I started noticing it of, oh, these people, their flight was canceled and they rented a car with strangers and drove from Florida to Ohio, things like that. They ended up on TV. And so it's not impossible to do I don't know that I have any sort of secret recipe at this point, but I do think the videos that I posted that went viral were, they really made the viewers have a lot of questions of, oh, how many how many dates do you think will go on in 2023? Or how was the date at Target? Would you do it again? Where are you going to go on the second date? Those kinds of things, which, you know, increase the engagement on the videos, more people saw them. And eventually they got to the right producers to have me on their shows. So let's talk about the immediate impact of all this, right? So you were on Mm -hmm. TV, you were written about in various articles. I guess we can start with economic. Was there any immediate economic impact? Did you all of a sudden have opportunities or advertisers or asking people to do product placements? Um, So with the first video, no, I made no money off of the viral target video. And people were saying, you should be telling these companies that they need to pay you. And at that point, I was like, this is just fun. And I don't want to give them a rate and have them say no, and then not be on TV. Um, So I made no video, no money on that. The second time around, the Jennifer Hudson show, part of my dating wrapped statistics that I did I calculated approximately how much money I spent on dates in 2022, just under $400. And Jennifer Hudson paid me back all of that money. (laughs) Um, So that's my dating budget for the year. Um, But there was nothing, no immediate advertisers wanted to reach out and say, hey, let's work together. But I think those videos helped me gain followers so that now I can do those kinds of things. Right. So as with Instagram or TikTok, once you get past a certain level, then the brands start Mm -hmm. getting interested in you. What about fame? I mean, did you find that all of a sudden people kind of knew who you were or were you recognized in some way, shape or form? I will say I do think I started with the thrifting Instagram and I would go to thrift stores either in Des Moines, Iowa or even Omaha or Minneapolis 
And every once in a while, someone would come up to me and be like, oh my gosh, Amber, I follow you. I love your stuff. And every time I would be like, oh my gosh, that's so crazy. And I'd be like, who are you? What's your name? Like, should we take a picture? (laughs) Um, And so that was kind of funny. But then this past summer, I started getting recognized from TikTok um, at places that weren't thrift stores. So I had successfully expanded my reach. And it's always so crazy to me. And my friends laugh every time. And it's never like, oh, can I get your autograph? It's more of like, oh my gosh, I've seen your videos. I love you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you. And I'm blown away every time. Um, And I think it's like the perfect amount of fame right now where I can live my normal life. (laughs) Did you have to explain to your future dates before you went out with them about this? Because I I imagine maybe there could be some trepidation trepidation or maybe excitement the other way around. Like, oh, I'm dating that TikTok girl who whatever I do here may be recorded and talked about. I... I did go on a date with this one guy who on Bumble listed his profession as content creator. And he was not making any money from content creation. And I was, but I listed my nine to five job on my Bumble profile. And so it was, we just had different ways of looking at it. And I think he was maybe a little jealous that I had more followers than him, that I was doing it more successfully at the time, perhaps. And that did not work out. (laughs) Um, And I think I have definitely held back on some dates of telling them about this side of myself, or I mention it very briefly. I'm like, oh yeah, I have this little side business that I run. And I don't mention that I'm doing 30 grand plus on the side. And so I think it's made me harder to open up in that way. But I do have a boyfriend now. He supports it. I made a video of him that went viral, but we didn't get any media attention. So, but he's a good sport about it. So at what point, I I know you were making money thrifting, right? And so you were talking (laughs) about that on TikTok, on Instagram, have you now, and at what point did you start actually making money as a influencer slash content producer above and beyond buying and selling things? I would say probably earlier this summer. And I think part of that has to do with getting laid off this second time around. So I got laid off in February this time. And then I was like, okay, let me just throw myself into all of this while I can, while I have the extra 40 hours a week in addition to searching for a job. And I think that's when a couple brands reached out at first of seeing, okay, this girl has, you know, over 10,000 followers. She's got a very good engagement rate. And it really, really varies what brands are willing to pay for. And so right now in my email, I have a company really trying to knock me down in price. And I'm saying, no, that's not worth it. I don't want to just say yes to every brand deal and have my Instagram page just become full of ads. That's not what I want. I also do care about my followers so that they will stick around and engage with my content. But some brands, I think I had told you this at Camp Fi, I had a brand reach out and I'm not going to name the brand for their sake here. And they said, we want you to do this campaign. We want an Instagram post. We want you to share it to your story. How much, what's your rate? 
And I, at that point, I hadn't done very many campaigns like that. I didn't know what to charge. And I said, $250. <laughs> and they didn't respond for a week. I was like, maybe that was too high. I only had like 12,000 followers. I was like, maybe, maybe they don't want to pay that. And they got back to me a week later. They said, okay, we're ready to move forward with $2,000. And so that was the moment where I was like, have I been undercharging just a ton? Or have I not looked into the company enough to kind of figure out what I think their budget for this would be? I was about to say, is there is there an algorithm? I mean, like how would... So there are plenty of people out there who find some success and all of a sudden the Instagram follower number is going up and up and up and up. And then they get to somewhere in the tens or twenties or 30,000s. Like, how do you know what's a reasonable amount to charge? So some influencers, there are agencies that will do all the negotiation on your behalf and then they take a cut. And the issue with this industry is that there's no glass door where you can look up of, oh, what should I get paid as a product owner at this company? But there is a startup that has recently gone to the market. Um, excuse my language. It's called Fuck You, Pay Me. <laughs> nice. It is It is for these influencers to look at what brands have been paying for campaigns based on the amount of followers. And then you can rate the brands in terms of they paid on time. They were very... They responded to emails quickly, those sorts of things. So... While there's work to be done in this industry, it's it's very uncharted. And a lot of people are just kind of winging it from what I have figured out, including myself. We are talking to Amber Smith. She's a digital creator when it comes to thrifting, lifestyle, and travel. And we are talking about virality and becoming an influencer we're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover Sport leads by example. With a visceral, uncompromising, and dramatic feel, this car helps you rise to the occasion. How does it do that? Range Rover Sport has powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability by combining assertiveness with signature Range Rover refinement. This is the car that redefines sporting luxury. The new Range Rover Sport features advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, purposeful cockpit-like driving position, and award-winning PIVI Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. Once again, explore and build your Range Rover Sport at L-A-N-D-R-O-V-E-R-U-S-A.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, service key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. 
LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash earn. That is linkedin.com slash E-A-R-N for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash earn and get started. We are back with Amber Smith. Her viral TikToks have led to millions of views and appearances in the press and on television. And we're talking about becoming a social influencer. Amber, first and foremost, is this a thing like being an influencer? Is this a profession? Yes, it is. And I recently read this book called Swipe Up for More. I believe it's by Stephanie McNeil. And she takes a deep dive into three huge influencers and the amount of people that go on, that are working behind the scenes to make these massive influencers a success is so crazy and eye-opening. They will hire people just to respond to their DMs. Hmm. Like that is someone's entire job for an influencer with a million Instagram followers. And she also did a bit of a deep dive into kind of how they're making money. A lot of them are linking their outfits that has become very popular or their home decor. You can do this on sites like Amazon or there's a site called Like to Know It. And this site will push out some of their stats. Over 200 women have become millionaires from this app alone. Hmm. of linking their outfits and their home decor and everything that they're buying for their kids or whoever it may be. So let me let me get this straight. So what you're saying is they put out an Instagram post and let's say they're wearing a jacket and if they link their jacket to Amazon or somewhere like that, they get a little percentage of the buy every time someone uses right. that link to buy something. Okay. And so it's like affiliates pretty much. Yes. Yes. I have a lot of people who on the show I've had before day traders. And the thing about day traders is when you really talk to them, this is people who go and buy and sell stocks the same day and try to make these really quick wins to make a lot of money. When you really talk about people who do this, it takes them years to learn how to do it. And usually 95% of people fail and maybe 5% succeed. Is the social influencer thing similar? I mean, like, is this something we all could do if we just try at it? Or is it really the very small tippy top that succeeds? I think the biggest key to being successful with this is to keep at it day after day, year after year. I feel like I've barely cracked the iceberg. I've been posting on Instagram for over three years consistently now. TikTok, probably about two years consistently. And so the fact that I'm able to get a $2,000 brand deal, that didn't happen overnight. That took me three years to make that money. But then I think about it. I'm like, okay, if I do this for another three years, what kind of money could I be making then? And so I think a lot of people get stuck in that first year or two where they're not making any money. Their follower count is very low, a couple hundred followers, and they just don't have the determination to keep with it, I would say. So I think that's the biggest thing is that you have to keep going where then you learn new things, you try new things, figure out what works. You go viral a couple times and maybe that helps you gain some followers to get to the next big milestone. Do you have to go viral to become a professional influencer? Like, is there one without the other? 
No, you do not have to. I know some people who they're doing consistent brand deals on Instagram with maybe 7,000 followers, which sounds like a lot, but in the grand scheme of things, like there are people with way more than that. And so part of it is putting yourself out there. I think the people who are most successful with it are pitching themselves to brands that they truly love, that they want to work with. And that is, you know, helping them. Their followers see, oh, you you wear these shoes all the time. Of course you would do a brand deal with them. You love this brand. And I trust you because I've followed you for so long. You share your life with all of us. And I think that's how they become truly successful at it. So let's talk about where you are in this continuum, right? So Mm -hmm. you have a nine to five, you still have your thrifting business. Where are you on kind of making a living as a social influencer? Where are you on that continuum and where do you want to be? I do think I would like to do that full time, probably in combination with the thrifting reselling so that I don't feel like I'm putting all of my eggs in one basket. And that kind of gives me uh, a net to fall back on in case for some reason my account gets hacked and I lose all of my followers. I still have a way to make money. Or in case all of my reselling accounts get shut down, I can still make money. And I do think I definitely have some hard days at work in my typical nine to five where I think about how, oh, after work, I'm going to go film content for a brand at $120 an hour. And I'm like, that makes this nine to five really hard to do sometimes. But I'm, this probably sounds bad. I'm only three months into the new nine to five. So right now, I think what's keeping me going is maxing out my 401k this year, cheap health insurance. I get a pension if I stick around. So I think right now, balancing it all can be a lot sometimes. And so I'm working on finding that balance. But at the same time, I probably could live off of just two out of the three. Tell me what the future looks like in your building up as an influencer. Like, do you have a series of steps you want to take, a series of people you want to study or courses you want to take? Like, what's the way forward for someone who maybe is at the beginning like you? Maybe they have a number of followers, they're interested in doing this, maybe a brand has approached them, but they haven't really built it up yet. Mm -hmm. Yes, I definitely look at other influencers who are way ahead of me in the game. And I think about what their strategy is. And I look at what is doing well for them, what is not doing well for them. But then I also apply that to my followers. So a bunch of people followed me for the thrifting reselling content. It's very hard for me to sell them a new outfit because They're thrifters. So that's one thing that I take into account. I think next steps for me, there is sort of an influencer version of a resume where then you pitch that to brands. You say, I'd love to work with you. And going into Q4, a lot of brands have big budgets to work with. So I've created a list for myself of companies where I can email them and say, Hey, last year, I know you did some brand campaigns with influencers and you influenced me to buy your products. So I know that this works. I would love to work with you this year if you think that's an option. And to just kind of get that conversation going so that they know who I am. And part of that goes into making that kind of resume is showing what brand campaigns you've done already. 
So at this point, I have a handful of paid campaigns under my belt, but also I've done a number of gifted or free collaborations so that I can build up my experience. And that is where I would suggest someone to start. There are apps like Skeepers where you can get free a lot of skincare, makeup products, hair care products for free in exchange for making a video or an Instagram post so that you can build up that resume and show that you've worked with brands. What about an agent? Like, when do you get to the point where you're like, hmm, maybe I should have an agent. Maybe I should have someone who's doing some of the negotiating for me, maybe even finding me some more of these deals. I don't know if there's any magic number for that. I have thought about that, but at this point, I'm like, I don't know if I have a ton coming in where I feel like I can't handle it. And I don't think at this point I'm willing to give up any of that money to someone else. I think I see a lot of people going to agencies once they have 50,000 plus followers. And so maybe that's in the future for me at some point. It's hard to say right now, who knows where I could be in a year, but I don't think that's something I will be doing in the near future, but farther down the road, I could consider it. When you're talking 50,000 plus followers, you're talking about traditionally Instagram or Instagram and TikTok, like which, which social media platform does that really refer to? I feel like I'm seeing a lot more brand advertisements on Instagram. Instagram is still the king when it comes to paid ads. Um, They live on really easily. People are making a lot of content daily on TikTok. So I think some of those ads get pushed down very quickly to where people aren't seeing them. But on Instagram, brands realize that their ads can live on a little bit longer. And so I think that's still where they're putting a lot of their advertising dollars. If you watch on Netflix, there's all sorts of documentaries on influencers. And the one thing you realize fairly quickly is some of these big influencers, even they have millions and millions of followers, But it doesn't look easy. In fact, at points, they look depressed and stressed and anxious. Any fears for you about burnout? Or have you already at points felt like, oh, my God, I'm putting too much into this and it's not feeling fun anymore? There are definitely times where if I go viral, I will get a ton of mean comments on the post. And some of them I delete right away. I'm like, you crossed a line there. That was too far. Some of them I do leave. And for me, I've learned to take it as people are engaging with this video. The more comments it has, the more people are going to see it, which will, you know, ultimately help me gain followers and views and money from those views down the line. So that's kind of how I see that. I do definitely sometimes think like I am so tired from juggling this full-time job and the reselling and the content creating and creatively I'm just burnt out and I'm like can I repurpose any of my old content for this week so there definitely is some burnout I really try to give myself a break when that happens right now I'm on this streak of posting on TikTok every single day since January and so for me I'm like don't break the streak keep Mm. posting but on Instagram I'm like If I really have nothing to post today and I have nothing to repost, I'm just not going to post and I will survive. I'm not going to lose a million followers because of that. I do think it is 
difficult to take a break in something like this where influencing could happen 24-7, whereas my nine-to-five tech job, that's only going to happen during those hours when those people are online. And it's not going to happen on holidays, and it's not going to happen if I'm on PTO. Whereas with influencing, if I'm on a trip, I'm probably going to be posting more than I would normally. You mentioned briefly some of the hate that comes through, and I'm sure it happens, especially the more popular you get. Uh, you get hecklers, I'm sure, on a regular basis, especially young women in social media seem to get lots of mm-hmm. anger. Does it ever get very personal or has it ever got to the point where you were actually a little bit worried? Oh, it's they've gotten so personal where I look at a comment, I will screenshot it. I will definitely spiral. I will delete it and block them and, you know, try to move on and forget about it. Um, and so that's definitely tough. And a lot of these accounts that are leaving the hate comments are anonymous accounts. They don't have a profile picture. They've never posted anything on TikTok. And these people feel like they can do it because they're behind a screen, because they're not there in person saying it to my face. And, you know, it sucks, but I think it's part of it. And, you know, maybe some of these really big influencers are also paying people to delete these mean comments on their pages because they can afford something like that. But for a smaller creator like myself, I'm the one who's got to look at it. So you've been doing this for a while and you've had some success. Does it appear more or less glamorous now than you thought it was? That's hard to answer. There are definitely pros and cons. Some people are very against accepting gifted gifted products. They're like, I can't pay my bills with free skincare or whatever. But I got sent a pair of $139 jeans this weekend. I put them on. I said, I would never buy these for myself, but these are nice jeans. I really like this. Or I get invited to events. That's my favorite thing. And that feels really glamorous of, oh, I posted enough TikToks and now and now I'm at this VIP opening for Dave and Busters. Um, so I think there are definitely pros and cons. Other times I feel really overwhelmed where I'm like, I have to make these three videos for brands and I need to post them by this day. And then my followers are just going to see a ton of ads in a row. So it goes both ways, glamorous and not so glamorous. We've talked and danced in and out about this idea of leaving the nine to five, right? And at some point, maybe there'd be a dollar amount where you'd be making money influencing and thrifting together where you'd be like, okay, I just don't need to do the nine to five. Let's talk about job security. Is there such thing as job security for an influencer? That is hard to say. I think a lot of the people who are very successful with influencing have multiple streams of income. So you can get paid for TikTok views and YouTube views, and those are pretty consistent. People are going to keep watching your videos, even if we're in a recession. As for the other things, like linking your outfits and getting brands to pay you, I could see that having a downturn if the economy is down. But I do think there are companies who are still going to be paying for different things in that time. and. You know, there's so many different companies out there who who are paying for influencers that someone's going to be wanting to sell something anytime. So I think the job security more so comes from the multiple streams of income, which is something that I've focused on. And I think that's where they become really successful. 
And as far as influencing goes, the Pandora's box has been opened, right? With social media and changes in the internet. You don't see it going anywhere in the next five to 10 years. You think this is going to be a, a viable way for people to make money in the future? I definitely think it's sticking around. And I think a lot of people follow these influencers and they think, oh my gosh, I know this person. I know your husband's name and your kids' names. And I know that you live in North Carolina and you live this perfect looking life. And I trust you because you've shared so much of your life with me. And even myself doing that of posting of, hey, I have a date tonight. Hope it goes well, that kind of thing. People will respond. They'll be like, I feel like I know you. I feel like we're friends. And I read that and I go to their profile and I think I have no idea who this person is. (laughs) That's very nice that they said that. But I think people do get that glimpse into influencers' lives and then form that kind of one-way relationship with them. And then they will buy the things that those people recommend. So it's not going anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. All right. So tell me what Amber Smith's life looks like in five years in your ideal situation, working towards what you're doing now. What kind of life do you think you'll be living then professionally at least? I do think influencing would be a full-time thing at that point. If I stick with it for another five years, I don't think that's out of the question at all. Reselling is something that is fun for me. It does take a lot more time and energy to make the same amount of money that I would influencing. So I feel like that will be not a huge percent of my income, but it's something that I enjoy. It's something that I will go thrifting with my parents or my friends and we use it as a way to spend time together. So I think that will still be around. I am thinking that within five years, I will be fed up with the nine to five life. Um, I hope my manager doesn't listen to this podcast. (laughs) He does not know about my influencing or my reselling. But yeah, I do think life will look very different then. Because if I look back a couple years ago, I was reselling and working and then I got laid off and it felt like the world was ending. And I picked myself back up and I got another job and then I got laid off again. And it really just showed me that I... Well, both of those times I got laid off, I didn't take any money out of my emergency fund. I did just resell and that covered all of my expenses for a total of seven or eight months between the two unemployments. And I think that really showed me that I could I could support my lifestyle. It is the saving for retirement part that I think I would really have to cut back on if I did take this jump right now. We're talking about whether being an influencer is a viable option, but we're really, because of who we are and this is personal finance, and we talk about financial independence, this question of influencer to financial independence pathway, um, it sounds like that's definitely a possibility, although you admittedly would miss maybe some of those retirement benefits, those kind of easy wins that you get from a nine to five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think... Well, so in the book I read, Swipe Up for More, it followed this one influencer. They were saving 90% of their income. Hmm. And they were living a very nice life. Big house, nice cars, very, very nice clothes. But it's just that she was making so much money from these brand partnerships 
because at some point you wouldn't be charging $2,000 a post like I am. If she has a million followers, she's probably charging over 20 grand. I would, I would guess if I had to throw a number out there, if you think about doing those a couple times a month, all of that adds up over the year. You do a few extra in Q4, you're living a nice life. And then when you add on to that, linking their outfits and things that they've bought and the money they get from views alone, I think that would, I don't want to say, I don't want to say that would be the dream, but you know, they're able to live their everyday lives. These parents, they're able to stay home and raise their children alongside their nanny and, you know, create content and that is paying for their lifestyle and they are set for retirement. Well, Amber, I wanted to thank you for coming on this show today. I mean, we started by asking the question, is becoming a social influencer a viable option? And I think clearly from our conversation, it is. But just like everything else, it's going to take a certain amount of knowledge, some work, some studying, and you got to put in the hours. And I think it's the iteration and the learning that makes people successful. Uh, but it can also become a job just like everything else and you can burn out and it can become tiring and uh, mm-hmm. just something for people to think about. I want to end this episode the way and every episode by asking you what is up next in your life and where people can find you. So first and foremost, what is coming up next for Amber Smith? Next, I've had so many changes this year. I It's hard to say what's coming up next. A little bit of traveling. So with the reselling, there is a conference from Poshmark, one of the sites that I sell on called Poshfest. And I am speaking at that event about social media, which is very exciting for me because I think I've had a bit of imposter syndrome about social media, but I'm making good money on it. I know what I'm talking about. And they chose me to speak and they're paying me to speak. So that is up next for me. And what is the best way people can reach out to you? What are your main platforms? Instagram and TikTok are my main platforms right now. My handle is Amber Waves of Brain. And there is an underscore on the Instagram one at the very end because I couldn't get the matching usernames. It happens. So yeah, reach out over DMs, leave a comment, leave a nice comment. That would be appreciated. Amber Smith, thank you so much for coming on Earn and Invest today. Thank you for having me. That's a wrap. Earn and Invest is now part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to this show as well as other fine podcasts. Okay, I have a confession to make. I am bad at this. Look, I've been creating on the internet since maybe 2003, 2004. I mean, for like 10, 15 years, I wrote a medical blog, then a financial blog. I've been doing public speaking forever, as well as now I have a podcast and a book. And I can't remember a single viral moment. I don't think I've ever created one bit of content that has ever gotten any farther than my general group of people who already know me. Certainly nothing that's ever gotten like hundreds of thousands or millions of views. 
Maybe from the outside, you would think of me and say, boy, he has his own podcast. He's written a book. He's an influencer. But I've never felt that way. Like I'm not someone who people necessarily follow on, follow on social media or create ideas or opinions that change people's minds. In a sense, I'm kind of bad at this. And I've thought very much about why. And I've come to a few conclusions. First and foremost, let's say I have the ability to go viral or become an influencer. I don't know if I have the ability, but let's say I had the ability. I don't really want to do the things it would take to get there. Like, I don't want to continuously create social media posts. I don't want to create social media posts for other people that speak to what other people want. If I create a social media post, a podcast, or a blog, I want to talk about and write about what I find interesting. And if those things aren't interesting to other people, I may still want to talk about and write about those things. The truth of the matter is, I guess I'm selfish. Like when I create, when I wrote a book or a blog, or even when I do my podcast, I'm really doing it for me, not you. I mean, is it horrible to admit that? I'm not doing this for you. I love the fact that I can create these conversations that are meaningful to you that you might share with some friends or may give you some insight into your life or what's important to you. But the truth of the matter is I'm doing it for me because I love to do these things. Like I don't like promoting myself and I don't like doing social media, but I love podcasting. I love interviewing people. I love writing. Like writing the book Taking Stock while it made me feel very vulnerable, I really enjoyed the process of going from idea to manuscript to edited manuscript to published book. And I do have and did have hopes that it would affect people profoundly and change their lives, but I didn't do it because of that. I did it for myself. And I don't know if this is what defines how someone becomes an influencer or goes viral. Maybe if you're willing to put in the work and do it for other people, maybe even do things that you're not exactly crazy or excited about doing, but you know that will be popular, maybe that's the key to success. Or maybe it's just not my personality. Or maybe the things I'm saying just aren't that important. You know, I'm open to any of those interpretations. But if you're listening to this right now, or if you've read my blog or read my book and said, boy, those are some good ideas, but that Jordan guy, he's just not really accessible. I don't think he's really talking to me. <laughs> I guess I hate to say, I'm not really talking to you. I was doing these things because they filled my heart with joy, because they were interesting to me. And it, this was a version of me pursuing and following my own passion and purpose. That's it. I hope these things do touch you. I hope you enjoy this podcast. I hope if you bought my book, you liked it. I hope these things help you in life, make better decisions or see things in a different light. All of that would be great and wonderful. And I would consider it a happy side effect of allowing me to spend my life doing things I find profound and enjoyable. Going viral for me or being an influencer for me would have to be a complete 
and utter side effect. I just don't ever see myself pursuing it as an end goal. All right, so I usually record just a few minutes of an after show of what we chat about afterwards. And actually, you brought something up that I think needs to be talked about, which is imposter syndrome. How do you not have imposter syndrome as a social influencer? Because I imagine that there's no like proof of expertise. Your proof of expertise is just how many followers you have or how many people like watch your videos. But I imagine you've got to feel do I deserve this? Right. Should anyone be listening to me? Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's always that game of comparison of this people has a similar number of followers, but their videos are getting this many views and mine are only getting this many. So I think that's part of it. But then also it goes the other way where I'm like, well, this person has more followers than me, but their videos are getting less views. So I guess I'm doing pretty good. And you can't base it all off of the amount of views that you're getting and the amount of followers. Part of it is, growing and is your content improving? Are you better at filming and editing? But I think imposter syndrome's hard and you know, I do struggle with it. But when I went on that date with that content creator who was making no money, I thought, well, if he can call himself a content creator, <laughs> I can call myself a content creator and an influencer. I'm doing it and I'm doing it fairly well considering, you know, where I am. So. I think, yeah, it's something that I I still work on. And do you, do, does it bum you out sometimes when you create something like you're like, this is really good and it gets very few views? Because what I found is people tell me the harder they try, the, like the less views they get and you just get surprised by what goes viral and what doesn't. Oh, definitely. There are some videos, you know, I will spend 30 minutes recording just the voiceover for a minute long video and it will get 300 views and I will be like, okay, people don't like that, I guess. Um, And so that is hard. And then other videos where I film it in seven seconds, I don't do any editing besides adding captions to it that will take off and get 3 million views. And so part of it is that I have to realize there are certain things I can control. I can control, you know, what I record and how I edit it and the captions and, you know, making sure I have keywords and in the description, but things with the algorithm and what people want to watch at that moment, right then and there, I cannot control. So I do have to let go of some things. And sometimes I'm like, well, maybe I just repost this video in a month or so and see if it performs any better, or maybe it doesn't. Is it a little creepy or strange or or something that makes you think twice that it's your dating life that people seem to really glom onto? Well, so that was an issue for me. I was like, if that's what makes me so interesting, what happens if I get a boyfriend and all of these people unfollow me because all of a sudden <laughs> I'm boring? Um, and luckily that hasn't happened. I actually posted a TikTok that I got a boyfriend and I got a ton of followers from that, which was very shocking to me. I thought the opposite would happen that all of these men who followed me because they thought they had a chance with me would immediately unfollow. Right, I was about to say, did you get like <laughs> lots of ass on dates? Were you getting DMS like, Hey, you want to go on a date? Like I, 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 did. I won't take, I, I won't take you to target. Like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. I've gotten so many of those DMS. Some people will just flat out be like, how does August 29th, 2028 sound for our wedding? And I'm like, like, who are uh, you? Uh. <laughs> 
So I think that was one thing I wanted to make sure that not 100% of my content was about dating. And so now that I have a boyfriend and my content's not like, oh, going on a first date tonight. Now it can be more of like, oh, we went here for a date night. It was really cute. And I can, you know, be like, support this local restaurant. I was about to say, are like the jewelry company is going to come after you for engagement rings? Like now we'll talk about engagement rings. Now when you're ready to get married, let's have you talk about wedding gowns and the wedding yeah, industry. Like, yeah. there's, you know, you can keep graduating from true, true. There's, there's all sorts of industry. Then there's the baby industry after that. So, I mean, you can just keep right. going forever. So, yeah. And I think a lot of influencers do that and people don't totally realize it where one day you're following a young 20 something who's single and the next you're following a mommy influencer who, you know, got married and had a couple kids. And now she's saying, Oh, I buy all my kids toys at Walmart hashtag ad. Yeah. Yeah. It feels really good to be productive, but a lot of the time it's easier said than done, especially when you need to make time to learn about productivity so you can actually, you know, be productive. But you can start your morning off right and be ready to get stuff done in just a few minutes with the Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day podcast. New episodes drop every weekday, so listen and subscribe to Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. That's Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. You care about your money. Of course you do. So why aren't you listening to SoFi Daily? This podcast will keep you updated on the latest news in the stock market and how it could impact your financial life. Stay on top of what's happening. Listen to SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts. That's SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts.